Welcome to Protein's podcast, Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with founders and thought leaders doing amazing things around the globe who share their stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm Kessin Casol, Community Manager of Protein DAO, focusing on our events and DEI. I'm also studying an MA in Internet Equalities at the UALCCI, and I'm obsessed with people who are dedicating themselves to creating safer digital spaces. For season five, we're moving into the world of Web3 and speaking to people who are putting communities first in order to manifest a more equitable and decentralized future. In this episode, I catch up with Dame, who we think is an absolute icon of education, accessibility and inclusivity in the Web3 space, and who describes themselves as a Web3 educator and community cultivator. We discuss the opportunities Web3 provides to create a better internet, digital activism and the importance of believing in something. This was recorded live in the Protein Discord, so make sure you follow our socials or visit protein.xyz for all our other upcoming events. Yes, I'll start by introducing myself um, and explaining why, why I'm hosting this episode. So my name is Kess, I'm Community Manager in the Protein DAO, I'm focusing on setting up our events and leading our DEI work. Um, as I'm really passionate about this and making spaces, digital spaces safer, um, which is why I'm also studying an MA in Internet Equalities at the UALCCI. Um, and at Protein, we've been a huge fan of Dames for a long time and all of their important and exciting work surrounding education, inclusivity and the nurturing of communities online and in Web3. Um, we've also just wrapped up our anecdotal archive series at Protein. Um, with our member Baby Guava uh, discussing experiences of belonging in digital spaces. So it feels, yeah, really relevant to chat to Dame now uh, as a nice way to carry on this conversation and see see what else is going on within this space inside Web3. Um, so yeah, enough about us and me. It would be great to hear from you, Dame, a bit about yourself um, and what you're focusing on the moment. Hey, everyone. Yeah, thanks for thanks so much for having me. I've heard so many great things about protein. And so when you all reached out to have me come on, I was very excited. And uh, yeah, just thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Dame, for those who don't, who don't know me. Um, I, uh, I've been in this Web3 sort of ecosystem space for a little, over a, a little over a year now. Um, I think it was, I think I got sort of into it back in January of 2021. Um, feels like a lot longer than it really is. Um, so I'm definitely not a, a sort of a, a OG or anything. I actually was very skeptical of cryptocurrency for quite some time and sort of wrote it off. And, you know, I, I sort of did not really see people like me here for a long time. And, and so it just didn't seem like the kind of place for me. But, um, but yeah, over time, I started actually taking a closer look and seeing if there might actually be something here that is worth paying attention to. And I discovered there was, and and that led me uh, that led me down sort of a path of uh, trying out all this technology related to NFTs and blockchain, and and um, and very quickly, I sort of fell in love with it and realized that it did have a lot of potential to do some really great things in 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 helping make the internet a better place. And I feel like that was a I felt like that was a, a worthy cause to devote some of my time and energy towards. And so I decided to sort of pivot my career from uh, sort of traditional uh, tech startups and, and doing marketing in those places and 
and uh, pivot and sort of enter into the Web3 space. Uh, I worked at a, an Ethereum wallet for quite some time uh, initially. I've participated in, in many DAOs and uh, different, you know, projects and nft things in the ecosystem i think most people will probably know me for for my work uh doing education stuff at, at rainbow and and doing nft sort of investing and collecting and uh, helping educate artists around how they can get in, introduced into this ecosystem and navigate it because it can be very overwhelming and challenging especially if you're not a technical person i'm very much not a technical person um, so my passion has always been sort of helping bridge the gap between, uh, normal people and, and, uh, and this industry. Cause I, I do think that there is sort of a knowledge gap a lot of the times. And, um, yeah, I love helping people cross that. Um, and also, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm non-binary. I focus a lot in the space on, uh, trying, trying to, trying to do whatever I can to, uh, to to make spaces and environments within the Web three ecosystem uh, more more diverse and inclusive and, and welcoming. There's definitely there's definitely many places within the ecosystem that are um, you know uh, maybe not as friendly towards towards me. Like there you know there's I think there if you look in certain corners of the crypto Twitter world there's there there can be lots of people who sort of you know. It's kind of their personality to to go around sort of mocking you know people who have you know pronoun pronouns in their bio these sorts of things. Um, so like anything, you know, there's always going to be a sub segment within a within an industry or community that you know is not the greatest and is not the most inclusive. But um, I I finally dove into the world world of Web three when I started to see more people like me here, and I wanted to do my best to be able to show people that um, show people that this space is for them and there is more more here than just what they might see in sort of like the media or the headlines. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm uh, currently, I'm just sort of honestly taking a break from, uh, from many things. I, I still sort of, you know, collect NFTs and support artists as I can throughout the space and do some, some consulting and things on the side of uh, helping people who are attempting to launch NFT collections or startup DAOs and, provide them with uh my perspective and you know knowledge and uh, i hate to call it expertise because i've only been here a year but yeah, for whatever reason i think uh i've, I've managed to amass a certain set, set of skills and experience that is helpful to people who are trying to do those things um so yeah it's sort of what i'm focused on now i'm just really focused on uh continuing educating and helping people learn more about this technology Wow. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. I can't believe you've only been in the space for a year and you've done all this amazing stuff already. Um, very excited to see what else you do next. Um, so I wanted to go back to what you said initially about um, like how you kind of came into Web3 and, and the fact that you saw an opportunity to make the internet a better place. Um, I wondered if you could expand on that a little bit yeah. exactly what what opportunities you felt for you for you or your communities totally yeah i think um you know i, th I think i i think i and many other people over the the past like decade have been sort of you know acutely aware of like both the benefits and the problems with how the internet currently works um and sort of the the dominance of of certain social media platforms and even this sort of this idea of 
like surveillance capitalism and how data is being used to, you know, profit off of people's sensitive information and, and even intimate lives. And I, I, you know, my part of my career was in marketing, which, um, which was, I, I had sort of a love hate relationship with marketing because there are many necessary good things that marketing can do and and uh and very many beneficial things they can do um but in how it relates to the internet um you know over the past decade it it has really it's really turned into this thing that is very coupled with a lot of the i think a lot of the things that make the internet kind of broken right now which you know part of that is monopolies part of it is uh you know our ad advertising based revenue models and ad targeting and uh, and so I saw a lot of how how the ins and outs of all that stuff works in my career as a marketer and i the the deeper I got into that career track, the more I saw like how all this stuff works underneath and I quickly started realizing that I didn't like it and it wasn't something that I really wanted to to be a part of and and so through through becoming more acutely aware of that, like there was this moment you know where I started wondering like. Like I, I deleted my Facebook account and I sort of got off of a lot of different social media sites except for Twitter and, you know, pared down my, my digital life to being somewhat minimal and just focusing on one, one platform and having a blog and that was about it. And I, you know, at the time, uh, many people were starting to write books around, you know, there was lots of fear around the idea of like screen time and how much time we're living in our digital environments. and. You had lots of books being written about quitting social media entirely. And and I, I started seeing sort of this rise in this narrative and I, I couldn't help but feel like I couldn't help but feel like it was a reaction to something bad that was happening. And I couldn't help but feel like we we shouldn't just abandon all this stuff just because something right now is not working and is bad. And and so I really did set me down a path of investigating and researching how how the internet works how it has been working its impacts on society and cultures and creators and consumers and and really trying to figure out like you know what were what are the the sort of the systemic problems that have caused a lot of these things and and what might the solutions to those things be um and so like naturally I started exploring a lot of sort of emerging ideas and technologies that attempted to solve some of those problems. And one of those definitely was, you know, blockchain technology and Web3 and that kind of thing. And I was honestly, it was it was one of the last things on my list of things to research because I, I didn't really want I honestly did not believe that it was, you know, going to be a viable thing, even though I didn't really know much about it. I just I knew its associations with so many I didn't like and, and sort of like this broy culture of Bitcoin and, uh, you know, you, this sort of toxic max maximalism that Bitcoin communities sometimes are very prevalent about. And, but I, I, you know, I worked my way down this list of things I was researching and I finally came to, you know, blockchain technology and, and started investigating it. And as I did, and I finally understood what the technology was. I also, 
at the time, I think this is probably uh, late 2020, um, so sort of before the NFT boom occurred in March of 2021, I did start to see some artists that I actually respected and, and loved. I saw them starting to dabble in, in this thing called NFTs. And at the time I had, you know, was very confused by it and didn't really understand why it was uh, something worth paying attention to. But um, I did continue following those artists and began seeing that doing some very uh, powerful things for them. And yeah, and so I think it was, you know, January of 2021, I was like, well, I, I do feel like there's something here. I feel like there there stands a chance of being a way that this technology, while it might not fix all of our problems, it might help us get to a better place. So I, I think a lot of times when people think about Web3, uh, there, there's a lot of people who I think view it as the the be all end all it's the solution to all of our problems it's going to save us um and i don't really think that's the case i think that i think that you know in the same way that web 2 was a, a marginal improvement over web 1 i think that web 3 is going to be a marginal improvement over web 2 it's definitely not going to fix all of our problems and magically save us and and cure everything um but i do i do think that it's it it stands a decent chance of providing some of the uh, solutions that we need. And so, yeah, so I, you know, I downloaded my first, uh, or I created my first Ethereum wallet at the time. I, like I said, I, I kind of had written, written off Bitcoin for whatever reasons. And I was like, okay, there's, there's a lot more to crypto and blockchains than just Bitcoin. So let me take a look and see what other kinds there are out there. Um, and quickly, like, you know, I immediately realized that Ethereum was sort of the, the number two on the list of most people's lists. And, I was like, well, I'll give this a chance. And I just read through that the Ethereum Foundation was, right. um, you know, poured through a lot of the documentation and pages. Like I said, I'm not a technical person either. So I didn't really fully grasp a lot of the more math cryptography sort of stuff. Um, but I did get a sense that the values of the Ethereum community were very different than the values that I saw, like within the Bitcoin community. And there were values in which I felt like I could with and aligned with more fully and so that that was enough for me to give it a chance and um yeah one thing led to another and over the span of several months i just started dabbling and testing i made my first nft i i uh, i bought some nfts from some artists that i liked um and i started hearing more stories of of how especially from creators who were who who the current version of the web wasn't working for them at all and began seeing how this new version of the web actually was helping them. And so, so yeah, that got the gears turning for me and made me think that, um, you know, of all the possible solutions out there, this, it, while it, while it's by no perfect, it definitely, I think does stand a chance of doing, doing some very, very powerful things that a lot of people. Amazing. Thanks so much for sharing all of that. It sounds, yeah, amazing. Your journey has been so interesting and, yeah, very inspiring. Um, I'm interested that you said even yourself that you felt a bit sceptical um, and a bit confused about Web3 at first and everything that comes with it, like blockchain. Um, and, yeah, all the work you've done around education, um, 
has been yeah very inspiring to me how you make it feel um very understandable and very accessible um for all different kinds of people at different levels and I wanted to ask you a bit about um Yeah. yeah how you started coming up with those those ways of educating and and yeah how they've been going in the space totally yeah I I do think that um you know, part of that, I think, ties back into something that I think has always been a part of my life. I've always been a a writer um, from a very young age. I was, you know, I loved, I loved writing and communicating via the written word. And I, you know, over, you know, my career as, you know, a marketer, I was very heavy into the world of, you know, sort of copywriting and, and, telling stories in compelling ways that resonate with people. Um, you know, a lot of the times clients that I worked with, companies that I worked at, um, they, they, they were very close to the, the product or the thing that they had created, whatever it was, or there was a software or a shampoo or whatever. They were very close to this thing that they created and they wanted, they, they believed people, people also wanted and they believed would help people. And what, you know, what you often see, though, is that people who people who make products, um, they often are so close to them that they they can't do a very good job of communicating to outsiders about them because for a variety of reasons, they're very close to them. They have biases. They they're just not really fully aware of the fact that they know so much information about it that it makes it hard for them to know what they should and should say to, to, to outsiders or new people. Um, and that was true throughout my entire marketing career, no matter what I would sell or what I was trying to, to pitch to people. Um, and so the, the moment that I, I got into web three, I was sort of slapped in the face with just, uh, how poorly, how poorly so many places were doing in terms of communicating about, about the technology, about their products, about their services, um, there, you know, oftentimes it would be, it would be too technical or the person who was trying to explain a concept, they, they didn't think about the fact that there was a prerequisite concept that they needed to explain first before they even explained something else. And, and so I immediately, when I sort of set foot in the web three ecosystem, noticed this big need that there was around, uh, clearer and more compelling, and effective communication when it comes to educating people about blockchains, about Ethereum, about NFTs, but then specifically about products, about DAOs. Um, and so I, I felt that my, my experience and my skills communicating compellingly about these things and in a way that would resonate with the average consumer, I felt like I had I had something that, uh, that the industry really needed. And I felt like I could step in and do a great job of, of helping bridge that sort of communication gap. Um, and I was also useful because I was so new at the time that I was also more, I could more easily resonate with an average normal consumer than I, than I could with these people who have been in the industry for multiple years and, have done all these amazing things here. Um, so it was, it was a good pivot. It was, it was a good, like, um, it was a good bridge because I, myself, I was sort of on the journey of being a normal person, 
attempting to cross over a bridge to get to Web3. And I saw through my own journey that it was a very difficult sort of bridge to gap. I managed to do it and bridge it. But, um, but yeah, I realized very quickly that like I could, I could be part of the solution in terms of helping make that bridge and make that journey, that, that crossover that people have to make, make that easier for them. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I, it was also an interesting point in my career because like I said briefly earlier, I had been sort of in the marketing world and I, over time was quickly, not quickly, it took many years, but I, over those years, I was becoming more and more uncomfortable with the industry and its practices. And so I was already at the time wanting to shift away from being a marketer and become more an educator and a communicator, because the things I loved about marketing were, were being able to tell, tell stories in a compelling and, and fun way and being able to deeply understand what a person's problems in their life are and knowing how, uh, knowing how I can connect a solution to that. And, and even if someone has a solution to a problem that someone else has, um, the other person who needs that solution does can't always see that clearly. And so I think I, I saw this as my chance to be shift my career more towards education and communicating around those kinds of things rather than being a marketer who is trying to like sell people on a product. Um, so that's, that's sort of where I, I guess the, you know, I think the, the, the focus on education came from, it really was sort of a combination of my passions, my skills and experience, the things that I really love doing. And, um, you know, in some ways it was a, uh, being at the right place at the right time. Like, I think that, you know, I think that at the moment that I joined web three, there, there were not, there were not the abundance of sort of educational resources that we now have today. Like, I, I still think that there's many, I still think there's many educational gaps and things, but here today in April, 2022, um, there's so much more, resources and education and coming from many different perspectives than there was back in December of 2020 when I first started investigating it. Um, so, and I, I, I think that that is a huge success and I love, I think that the space can be very proud of that. The fact that it is, uh, it has developed so much education and material over the span of just 12 months to be able to meaningfully make a difference in, in, going from a point in which it was not that great to now I think it is good uh, I think there's still lots of ways we can make it better but yeah I think um, I think we've made a lot of progress over the past 12 months amazing I'm glad you're feeling optimistic um, and I'm kind of feeling the same as well which is which yeah is great. Um, so I also really like the analogy you said of that you were kind of like building the bridge from web 2 to web 3 like as you were crossing it and I think that's like a really nice like human and, and natural way um to do things um and i'm wondering how that process might have like helped you build like a community in terms of thinking around like inclusivity as well like i think um what you were kind of explaining shows how much web3 provides like a space to for communities to create our own education in ways that speak to us in the ways that that we need and I'm wondering what you think about um 
about the potential Web3 has for like activism or um, like movements surrounding like inclusivity as well? Mm. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that there's one of the things I love the most about Web3 is is the I think it's the like the 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 uh, the people to so easily form communities and groups around particular topics i think that i think that the technology that we have around nfts around tokens um, around native currencies that communities can create for themselves those things i think they can help they can help bond people together in a in in a way that uh, Web two technology couldn't as easily bond people together, um, and so I think that there's there's sort of I think there's long been a in terms of like digital activism and activism work done on the internet. I think that there's long been there's long been problems in the sense of I, I do think that one of the things that the the internet has not had for the longest time is native economies that are actually easy relatively easy to to use natively on the internet um and i think i think for a long time people sort of downplayed the i guess the the importance of economies within groups of people or communities i think that a lot of the times in activism and you know even traditional organizations and things like that um you know the the economic component of the work is often either not maybe maybe not obscured but it's it's not as easily understood it's not easily visible and transparent sometimes it's um there's not really you know there's a lot other you go on for a long time about compensation and actually getting you know sustaining a lifestyle activism because you know you need money in order to survive and live but i think a lot of the happening now you know around DAOs, you know creating their own tokens and and creating their own little micro economies and and people contributing and collectively coming together to to get a particular vision and mission accomplished i think i think that we've seen that like that that can happen a lot faster and get rolling a lot faster with a lot of this web web three technology than sometimes the web two stuff can. Um, but I also think that, uh, it, it, there's lots of ways that I think NFTs in particular can help, uh, can help in the, in the realm of identity and like group identity. I think, I think one of the interesting things is about the, like the profile picture phenomenon that we see in the NFT space is it kind of, it kind of like, it's upon a fundamental sort of human need of wanting to be a part of something, but not only wanting to be a part of something, but wanting other people to see that you're a part of something and easily be able to see other people that are a part of the thing or that align with the thing that you're a part of. And so I think NFTs are really, really cool because for the first time we have these like digital objects that can be owned and transferred and, and collected for the first time we have those things and we can apply those, apply that technology to these ideas of identity and social signaling 
and then couple that on to activism and figure out how we can mix those three things together to create this really, uh, really, I mean, it's, just, it's a very powerful sort of concoction. Um, I think you have to be very careful too, though, because I think those, all those different things combined, they can be very powerful and, and lead to, uh, lead to getting, getting things accomplished, uh, uh encouraging people funding i think there's lots of things that it, it can do crowdfunding wise that other other web2 technology can't do but it, there's also i think there also is sort of a danger to it as well like if if we're not careful like um you know this is true of any i think any point in history like technology can be used in in ways that are you know unhealthy and and can uh be co-opted i think for for dangerous things like i, I think I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, just as easily as activism can be spurred on, and organizations can be spurred on to do amazing and powerful things with all this technology, um, the same could be true of any kind of any other group. Really, honestly, I mean, it could be uh, a cult. It could be, you know, a, a hate group or something like that. Um, so, I think that I think honestly, like, what we have to be thinking a lot about is um, I don't know, preparing ourselves for both like the ways in which it's going to be used to do amazing things. Um, I, but we also need to, you know, be uh, kind of vigilant and understand that like it can be used for not great things too. Um, and we shouldn't be surprised by that. Like we should know that that's coming. Um, so yeah, I think, but I think that's, that's an easy thing to lose sight of. I think, cause right now, uh, right now we're on the tail end of web two. And so everyone can sort of see web two's problems, but they couldn't see those problems in the early days because there was so much you know, optimism. There was so much hope. Um, and I think maybe if we had a thought more about the potential downsides earlier on in web two, we might've been able to avoid some problems that have occurred. So I think, I think I hope in web three, like I hope more people as they're thinking about activism, as they're thinking about the good that this stuff can do, We'll also make sure to take some healthy time to start evaluating it from the perspective of Web3 isn't perfect. It's not going to solve all of our problems. What might this look like 10 years from now? And is there any way we can avoid negative outcomes that could have been prevented? Um, so, yeah, there's a little bit of my thoughts about it. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I'm always thinking about this a lot of the time as well, like all the positives and like amazing, amazing things that Web3 can do. And then also like the negative things that, that could be done or, you know, might not be seen yet. Or And sometimes this plays a lot on my mind and makes me feel quite stressed. So I'm wondering how, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real. Um, yeah, it is. Um, so I'm wondering how, with all like the amazing work that you do, like how do you, keep up the motivation to keep doing um these things for communities and also uh sort of look after yourself as a kind of like leading figure in web3 or like what we like to call a web3 icon yeah how do you, <laughs> how yeah, do you keep motivated a, and inspired <laughs> that's a really good question um you know i've only it's a very new a very new sort of position for me to be in so i don't really even know if i I don't really know if I have a good answer for it. I think, unfortunately, you know, kind of the situation that we're in is a situation in which we're trying to do all this Web3 stuff, but we're, for better or worse, like a lot of it is being facilitated by Web2, this sort of paradigm. So, so like, 
you know, me as, you know, as some sort of a figure in this space, um, the downside to it is the reality that, you know, a lot of the work that I do and the way we all sort of rally and do things together and listen to one another, a lot of that occurs on Twitter or on these, you know, platforms that are very much web two native. And, you know, they are very much to come to a lot of the the problems, you know, both, you know, just like mental health wise, the toll that it can take on people. And, and I think, you know, honestly, for me, I, I think honestly, if I could go back and like change something, like I think I, I think I would have like, honestly, I think I would have preferred not to have to, to have grown as quickly as I grew in terms of the amount of attention that was on me. I think, uh, you know, I, I think it was, it was a very weird experience. Like I've been on Twitter for many, many years, just sort of, you know, not, not doing anything, not really focusing my time and energy on any one particular topic, just sort of using Twitter as a place to just think out loud. But so I spent many years on Twitter with no one really paying attention to my tweets or anything. You know, I, I might've had a couple thousand followers or something, but, um, but then overnight, you know, it went from, you know, uh, you know, went from several thousand followers to now suddenly today, you know, it's almost like 50,000. And, and that happened so quickly over a short span of time that like, you don't really, and I, I think, you know, I think, most people, and I know this is true for myself, like you don't really know how to quite adapt to that kind of a change that quickly. And I think that's kind of indicative of like what happens in the Web3 space too. Like the space is moving so quickly and it doesn't really give you much time to like rest or take a break or turn off, you know? And and I think that's been my biggest trouble is definitely like, I think that I have seen that I've seen that like I've been able to have a positive influence in some people's lives based on, you know, messages that I receive on a regular basis. And I've seen like the impact my words have been able to make for people and being able to speak up about things when other people, maybe they couldn't speak up about them. And it's been, honestly, it's, it's, it's a bit of a burden in some ways because I feel like, you know, I feel like I, I've always been of the opinion long before I had any kind of attention on me. I was along of the opinion that people who have attention upon them or people who have money or attention or any of these things that sort of like give you, you know, power. I've long been of the opinion that like the more, you know, and more, the more attention you have, the more power you have, all those things, the more, you know, the more responsibility you have to do something good with them. And so for me, it's been a bit, a bit difficult to, to say no at times because it, it, I do feel like I have this obligation of like, okay, I have all, I have all this attention and I have the ability to like boost a message or something to a a large platform of people and potentially influence people. Um, So if something happens and I feel like no one else is willing to say something about this particular thing, it puts me in this weird scenario in which I'm like, I might not always want to say it, say it myself because I know that it might, it might have negative consequences of saying it. And as so it is kind of a weird situation for me and cause I, in some ways I'm like, I might feel guilty if I didn't say anything. Cause I'm like, okay, I have, I have this attention. I have this platform or whatever. If I'm silent in this moment and I choose not to use it, um, like who does that make me is that is that in aligned with my values and 
I think over time, though, what I'm I'm realizing is the scale at which that attention has evolved to it it is is too big for a normal human person to be able to I think deal with and in the health like in other words I, I I can't always say yes to things because my body just couldn't actually handle it and I think that's that lesson has been very hard to learn it's been something that is you know has taken me many many months to learn it I've learned it kind of the hard way in some in at some points and um yeah no, it's it's interesting I think. I, I think about my time here and I wonder, have I done enough? Like, should I like, yeah, it's, it's always wondering like how, how much is enough? Like, you know, is, is the work that I've done over the past, you know, 12 months, is that, is that enough work to where I don't need to do anything else <laughs> or, or should I take a break for a long time or should I, um, because I know I've even heard this conversation amongst DAOs too of like, okay, we've been going full steam for six or seven months now. We've done a lot of amazing things that have even made headlines, but uh, we're tired now. Should, should we just stop maybe for a season and just reevaluate things when it comes back? Um, I don't know. That's something that I'm right now I'm acutely thinking of because I, I, as I have sort of passed my one year mark of being in this space, I now am thinking, okay, I've, I've done all this work for a year. What is, what is next for me? Now? Um, and I don't really know if I know the answer to that yet. I think I'm still, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but I, I guess, I, you know, I would say to anyone who is thinking about, you know, doing, doing important work in this space, um, you know, if, if you think that the work that you're doing might lead you to have attention upon you and, and things like that, like very early on, I think just be very, I don't know, be very, I don't, I don't want to use the word guarded, but be, I think, protect yourself. Like, I think, I do think that you need to protect yourself. I think that if I could have done that earlier and sooner, I would have, um, uh, but again, that's a hard thing to say because most people probably think to themselves, well, I, I would never get that. <laughs> Not that many people would ever put their attention upon me. And I, I was in that same position. I never would have dreamed I would, people would be looking to me the way that they look to me now. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think definitely knowing, knowing what your values are early on and, and, and committing to those and being willing to do some like hard things. Uh, that align with those values, I think is really key because if you don't, I think the, it can like the attention and influence on that stuff. It can definitely easily change you. And um, yeah, so I think you have to be very, you have to be very intentional about guarding yourself, the people around you, like even how it impacts, you know, impacts family members. Like, um, you know, I'm sure many people have seen that, like I, you know, over the span of several months, like at times I've, you know, received quite a bit of like targeted harassment on Twitter. And, and that's been, you know, that's, that's been very hard and very, you know, not, not good for my mental health at times. And um, yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing I've learned from that is like just needing to prioritize taking a break and not feeling like I'm going to get left behind if I do. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I do think that's, that's the tendency in web three is just, again, it moves so quickly and it's you if like I I've done this thing over the past several months where I've tried taking the weekends off Twitter where I just don't get on Twitter on weekends at all. And, and even over the span of a weekend, just like two days, I come back on Monday and I, I I feel like everything is a blur. I've missed so much. And 
And so that makes it really hard to think about taking a vacation for multiple weeks. It's like <laughs> what would happen in two weeks? Like the whole industry could change by them. But anyway, that's a, that's a bit about it. A little bit of rambling there, but. No, I love it. I love it. I think, um, yeah, it must be so overwhelming to have grown that quickly. Um, but I guess it's a testament to all the amazing, amazing things you're doing. Um, and I always think, even though Web3 moves really quick, if you need a holiday, Web3 can wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it definitely is a really overwhelming like like space, how fast it moves and puts a lot of pressure on on all of us especially especially if you've yeah. become a figure in the space so yeah i appreciate everything you do for everyone and how you keep so focused it's very inspiring um well, thank you so <laughs> oh so i wanted to hear a little bit if you don't mind about like how you how you kind of i don't know maybe a bit about your personal background and how you sort of became to be this person with these missions and and these values mm-hmm. um so oh, i wanted wow. to yeah, that's a good, good question yeah Mm. (laughs) um so I thought maybe since you're um you know so like um into education and everything that surrounds it maybe we can hear a bit about your your education whatever you'd like yeah oh yeah that's a great point um yeah I think there are a couple things that have sort of led me to I think that led me to the point that I'm at like I I I grew up in a like I grew up in a very religious environment and I'm not religious anymore, but um, that that experience of growing up in a religious environment kind of like there were there were both positives and negatives to it. But some of the positives of it were it really instilled upon me some like the importance of having beliefs and having guiding principles and core values that will help you navigate the world and help you navigate difficult situations. Um, and it also showed me the importance of community because religion often, you know, for in, historically religion has been kind of like the the way in which many people sort of got community and how they participated in community. Um, and, you know, while I'm not religious anymore, those kind of principles of knowing that you need to have, you need to understand what you believe, you need to understand the values that drive you and understand them deeply like at times i think i i spent you know many many years of my life sort of wrestling over what my beliefs were like i had a transitional period where i you know i hinted at the fact that i was very religious and i i, I was i grew up in religion and then over time i left religion and so there was a long period of time where i really wrestled and thought long and deep about what i believed and what my values were and and, you know, that caused me to dive into philosophy and theology and all these different things and sort of understand all the different perspectives and things that might be out there. And which of these things do I want to believe? And, and so I think wrestling really deeply with those things um, has allowed me to have a certain level of conviction about ultimately, like, the beliefs and values that I have chosen, because they are values and beliefs that I chose, that they're not you know, it, when, when people grow up in maybe like a religious environment or whatever, they're, you kind of, you kind of have beliefs and values that you sort of grow up with and develop by sort of osmosis of just being in that, in context. Um, it's sort of your cultural lens or worldview that you've developed. Um, but because I went through this shift 
of sort of leaving a worldview and a culture and a context to then exploring and trying to figure out what I wanted to actually believe and see and how I wanted to view the world. That that definitely gave me a sense of ownership over what I now believe. And so I think that that has definitely helped me for helped me like be able to apply those things because I think sometimes if you if you just have beliefs that you sort of vaguely hold on to because maybe that's what your parents taught you or whatever, they don't necessarily f- all of the time feel like your values. And so it's harder to actually apply them and stick up with them. And so that's, you know, that's definitely part of it. And, you know, the other part is definitely, you know, to the point of like education and making this space more inclusive and diverse. Like I, you know, I, because of, because of my experience in the religious world, I saw how people, people like myself who, who sort of were not within the gender binary um, or LGBTQ people, you know, gay people within the church and the things that they experienced, I sort of like saw a lot of not great things. I mean, I saw some bad things and the ways in which people were treated. And it, you know, there was a season in my life where I spent a lot of time trying to advocate for, for change within religion, trying to trying to get the church or, you know, various, you know, institutions to change their views on you know, gender and all these things that they have so ingrained within them. And, and so I already had some of this, you know, notion of, you know, a passion and a desire to attempt to make spaces more friendly and inclusive. And so I think I've carried that with me in almost any environment that I've been through, whether it was religion to, to then working in marketing, to working in tech startups and, and now getting into web three, I think with web three, I felt it more acutely just because um, it feels like there's a lot more issues in Web three in regard in that sphere, and so it's it's been one of the things that I've tried to focus on because I I felt like uh you know I felt like if I was able to make a meaningful impact there, part of education is is some people will write off will write off Web three and they'll never they'll never even get to hear any of the educational material or work that maybe we create here because they've written it off for, because they think it's not, you know, diverse or inclusive or all these different things. So I think part of, part of, part of my role, I think part of every like educator's role is, is helping get an environment in which people get, get in an environment to a point in which people can at least be open to education. Like I think there's, there's so much work you have to do to get people even to that door of wanting to learn. so I think that's part of why I've focused upon that is, is I knew that lots, the kinds of people that I wanted to hear the education part, they wouldn't have even heard it if we didn't fix other issues first. So I always have felt it was, it was, it was part of the whole thing. Well, wow, it's so interesting to hear about your background. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, I feel like I've had a lot of friends who have grown up religious and are not now and say similar things about how they are thankful for you know they don't have that belief anymore but it's like giving them you know a grounding of like needing to have some sort of belief and and integrity of values which yeah I always find that really interesting Um, I think we haven't got too much time left so I might um, I've just checked the chat and see that we've got a question from Furiosa. Sorry if I've pronounced that wrong. Very cool name, by the way. <laughs> oh. 
Um, so they've asked us a question um, regarding Twitter, and I know that your Twitter is down at the moment, so feel oh, yes, free yes. to answer this as in, in depth or if not, if you want. But um, yeah, they've asked the targeted harassment has been awful. Um, do you have any thoughts on whether Elon will KYC everyone and filter out bots and harassers? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good question. I don't know, it's a very... It's oh man, yeah. The, the the Elon Twitter thing is interesting. Twitter holds such a it holds such a special place in my life um, because I, I I actually met my partner through Twitter. So I you know I I believe very deeply in the power of Twitter and how it can do. While it has many problems, it can do you know it can do many harmful things as well. Um, but. I I don't know. I'm I'm very I'm definitely worried about Twitter in the sense of I the you know the the KYC thing, you know your customer, you know the uh, Elon definitely has this belief that he thinks that social media websites would be better if everyone had to use their real name and if you know if you if you don't use your real name you can't be on the platform and um you know I'm definitely not of that, you know, opinion whatsoever. I also think that I think I kind of view, and I, I don't. I'm I'm by no means an industry insider into the Web two world and know how these things work. But like my my gut reading on the situation is that it, I kind of view Elon's takeover kind of in the way a, a like here in the United States, a politician will uh, will like will run for president, and then when they get into office, like they can't end up actually fulfilling on a lot of the things that they talked about before they became president. So I kind of I kind of view Elon's situation the same way, like, and, and like, you know, now that he, well, the deal hasn't even officially gone through yet. So they're, you know, theoretically, like it could fall through still, but if it does actually go through, I do very much think that like, we're going to see, we're not going to see quite as drastic as, of changes as maybe uh, he had hoped. Um, I don't know. I, I think that that maybe that's the hopeful part of me that thinks that I do think that, that, I think Twitter has been on a uh, uh, interesting path, and I think that we, even within the last twelve months, I feel like they're they've been doing things to make things a lot better. So I'm really hopeful that, regardless of what happens, I hope that you know if he comes in, I hope that they're able to continue doing that important work and not, not get not get distracted by all the drama and the kind of the weirdness that, that having Elon as a as the owner might do. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I th- I, I do believe that. Have, having the ability to be anonymous online or not an, not anonymous, but like pseudonymous, you know, being able to maintain an identity that is not fully your legal identity. I think that that is a very, I think there, obviously there's some downsides that can come to it. And I, I myself have been the victim of that at times, you know, targeted harassment from people who are anonymous online. Like I know what that feels like intimately. Um, but I also don't think that the solution is, is to sort of swing the pendulum and and remove the ability to 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 not being able to uh, to have your identity be kind of malleable and you you be in control of your identity because I think for me personally I, identity is really important to me and I think your, your a person's ability to disclose what they want about themselves when they want and not be cut off from the rest of the world if they choose not to do that I think that that is. I know. I think that's very important, and I think that I think the Twitter would not be the same without it. Um, so, yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, hundred percent. That's really interesting. I had a class um, at school today, all about like anonymity online, and 
and we were discussing it and yeah we were all just saying in our discussion how um you know identity is like not fixed it's so fluid and like it's very limiting and also unsafe for a lot of people to be tied to their real names and yeah all of their real data um 100%. yeah so i think yeah but like you said it's something that like swings and roundabouts like there are obviously negative things but lots of positive things which i think we've seen from web3 like the positive sides that an- anonymity can bring or pseudonymity um yeah. yeah cool i'm just checking if anybody has any last questions um I see some people typing but if not oh i've just seen one come in actually Da-da-da-da. okay so jack has a question um let's just do this one quickly and then we can and then we can yeah. finish up um, so Jack says, how do you square the wealth gap in the Web3 space with the goals of more inclusivity? Um, with the price of engagement so high, it feels like the average person who is trying to keep a roof over their head and keep food on the yeah. table is priced out. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I do think that that is one of, you know, it's one of our biggest, it's one of the the biggest problems um, is that, is that particular piece. Um, you know, I think, I guess my, I think I I have two thoughts on this. One of which is that is a very real problem. And I also don't know if we're, I'll put it this way. I don't think, I don't think that we're going to be able to solve that problem to the level or to the degree to which I think you and I would want that problem to be solved. Mm -hmm. This kind of goes back to my, um, my belief about web three and web two. And I don't think that web three is going to be this thing, this magic thing that is going to suddenly solve all these problems. And I think that, you know, unfortunately I think that we are going to see, we're going to see some, you know, inequalities and things sort of carry like by no means are we going to move into the era of web three and suddenly be in a utopia where inequalities no longer exist. Um, So my, you know, my kind of take on it is like, I personally want, us to do whatever we can and focus as much as we possibly can on preventing or making making that inequality that 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 wealth gap shrinking it as much as we possibly can providing opportunities for people who who need assistance to be able to dabble in this new technology because i think this is this is sort of a more realist position but like i i do think that one of the ways that you one of the ways that i think i i deal with this problem mentally is i i do like to think about the the reality that in any 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 era over the internet or technology um for thousands of years like when a new technology emerges and comes around um it often due to, you know, economics and and production and scale and all these different things that go into producing a new technology. um, You know, it it has always been sort of the case that like the earliest adopters, like the earliest you get into a technology, the most expensive it is, whether it's, you know, whether it's books, you know, books, you know, thousands of years ago or whatever, or not thousands of years, I, can't, I don't even know when. <laughs> um, but, you know, books used to be a luxury item. They were this thing that, you know, only wealthy people could afford or much less read. Uh, you know, personal computing was the same way, you know, in the early 80s and 90s. Um, you know, smartphones were the same way. I remember growing up, I grew up very, 
a relatively low income and I, I did not get a smartphone until I didn't even get a cell phone until I was, I think, gosh, like in late, like 19 or 20 years old and smartphones were kind of out of the question at the time because I couldn't afford them because of how early that still was. And so I kind of watched people with the iPhone in amazement because I was like, I can't, I can't afford an iPhone when that, you know, the, when the iPhone one came out. And um, so I, I, I only bring that up in an attempt to hopefully provide some level of comfort in, in a unfair, unjust world that we know that we can know that this is not necessarily a unique phenomenon. The fact that they're, you know, it, the, the cost of entry is so high. And I think that's also why I, you know, I think, I think we have solutions coming up that are going to, going to help those problems immensely. Like, you know, the layer two stuff around optimism and arbitrum, things like that. I think that's going to help tremendously, but I also think the people, those of us in the space who do have the money and the power and the connections to be able to open doors for other people who don't have those, you know, don't have enough resources or, or time or whatever, um, the more that we can, you know, exert energy towards doing that, the better. Like the way I have done that personally in my life is is trying to uh, give give artists the resources they need to to mint their own NFTs and then you know, collecting and buying those NFTs from them and supporting them financially so that they can start their, their web three NFT art career. I think that that is something that can be really liberative for an artist if they can get over that initial gap. Um, so yeah, that, that's my focus has definitely often been around the arts and because I love the arts so much and trying to help artists um, bridge that gap. But I think we also see it in all the other niches within the web three world like DAOs and DeFi. I think we need people in all those spaces who are willing to use to use their money, their time, their resources to help bridge those gaps as much as they can. Amazing. That's a great, great point to end on. Um really insightful, insightful thoughts. Um thank you so much, Dame. I'm aware that we've gone like four minutes over. So um I think we should wrap no up now to preserve everyone's energy, whatever time it is where you are um so yeah thank you so much dame um oh, one last question how if you would like people or if people would like to get in touch with you what's your preferred way for them to get a hold of you oh yes great question yeah for right now you can go uh i know my twitter is down at the you'll be able to get back to that somewhat soon but uh temporarily you can definitely go to uh, uh dame uh, dot news or dame dot contact that's my website. You'll be able to to get to it from there. And I also, I do one of my other Twitter accounts is still active. I think it was linked here in the chat. It, it's not down at the moment, so you can also uh, you can also follow along there. But um, yeah, thanks so much for having me. This has been a really great conversation, and um, it's been a pleasure and an honor to be here in the Pro Team community. Oh, thank you so much for coming. It's been a yeah real honor, pleasure, and treasure to have you. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to listen back as well. It's been such a great, a great conversation. So yeah, thanks so much for your time and your energy and all your amazing thoughts, Dame. Yes, and thanks to you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for facilitating it. Some wonderful questions, and yeah, it was just great, great chatting. And-